This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week, I landed on Iowa. Iowa. I really only remember Iowa because it's like the eye of the little man. What? Have you ever looked at the map? No. And seen like the man with like, the... Like, obviously I've looked at the map. But... <laughs> <laughs> we look... look at the map right behind you. I don't believe you. Okay. Now look at Minnesota. Okay. It's like a chef hat. Below it's Iowa is like a face. Below it is a shirt, pants, and then feet. And then right to the right of the shirt or uh, of the pants is a frying pan. And above that is a chicken leg. What? Yes. You really don't see it? I see. I I can see how you can imagine that that's like a head of a person in a sort of chef's hat. But you don't see the feet and the. Well, it's Louisiana. It's a boot shape. Yeah, that makes sense. But do you see the frying pan and the piece I, of chicken? I do not see the frying pan and the piece of chicken. <laughs> Tennessee is a frying pan. Look at it. Tennessee is a frying pan. Absolutely not. And then there, Kentucky is a piece of chicken, like Kentucky Fried Chicken. Y'all are crazy. (laughs) That's how I learned in, like, elementary school. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, I mean, the teachers taught me, like, that. Yeah. Okay. I'm just telling you. That's interesting. That's my life. (laughs) Well, Iowa. (laughs) What happened in Iowa? So, this story is something different than our usual, like, murder mystery. Oh. What is it? Well, I decided to focus on something a little bizarre. Okay. Something a little scary. Ooh, I'm shivering in my dress. And something that, like, you know, just shook an entire town to its core. An entire town. Yes. Okay. In the early 1900s. When everything shook (coughs) them to the core. So, you know, 1991. (laughs) As the young people say. If you were born in the early 1900s, or no, if you were born in the 1900s, you. Yeah. Who says that? Gosh. Gosh. So (laughs) this incident is commonly known as the Van Meter Visitor. Okay. In the early autumn months of 1903, Van Meter, Iowa, had an unexpected visitor fly into town, and the experience shooketh everybody. Shooketh. Shooketh. So on the evening of September 29th, U.G. Griffith was returning home late from work. Okay. It was approximately one o'clock in the morning, and the small town of Van Meter was fast asleep. It's at this time that Griffith saw a little something that was like, hmm, that's weird. That's a little, that's a little off. What is it? On top of the Mather and Greg's building on Main Street appeared a light that was so bright, he referenced it almost like a beacon. For the aliens. I'm just kidding. I don't know. (laughs) Driven by curiosity, Mr. Griffith decided to investigate and began moving closer towards the light. As he got closer, the mysterious light jumped into the air and across the street, and it landed on top of another building. 
weird. Whatever could this be, he thought to himself. <laughs> I love the acting that's going on Thanks. over here. Thanks. He took a couple steps closer, and just as suddenly as the light appeared, the light disappeared into darkness. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens, bro. <laughs> so the following evening, Dr. Alcott was asleep in the back room of his office when he was awoken suddenly by a bright light that was shining directly into his face. The source of light was coming from outside his office window in downtown Van Meter. Dr. Alcott grabbed his gun and approached the front windows. What he saw made his heart leap into his throat. Ooh. Directly in front of him, on the opposite side of the glass, was a creature half human and half animal with bat-like wings and a single blunt horn in the middle of its forehead. A piercing light um, was, like, beaming from the horn. From the horn? Mm-hmm. This left, like, Dr. Alcott terrified. I mean, understandably. Absolutely. So he did what, like, anybody would do. He raised his gun and he shot five times. Especially in the early 1900s. I mean, absolutely. So he shot his gun five times. Mm -hmm. Not a single shot seemed to pierce this beast, this monster. Oh, gosh. It did startle him and the creature vanished. Into, like, thin air? No, it just, he, like, took off. Oh, okay. The following night, October 1st, a dedicated bank teller by the name of Peter Dunn decided to take justice into his own hands <laughs> by, he he was going to catch whatever the sponsor was because he wasn't convinced that it was a monster or a beast at all. Mm -hmm. He thought it was just, like, an elaborate hoax to pull off, like, a bank heist. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you keep going. <laughs> So to that end, he he decided he was going to hole up in the bank, armed and ready for like whatever was going to come. Mm -hmm. Just after 1 a.m., Mr. Dunn heard a peculiar noise outside his window in the bank. He said that it sounded like gargled gasps. Someone dying? And he, he kind of drew the comparison. It sounded like someone was being strangled. Oh, okay. Dunn approached the window to see what was happening and was blinded by a glaring light. From the horn? Mm-hmm. Okay. He staggered back, covering his eyes. As he did so, the light began to sweep around the room. Hmm. This is when Mr. Dunn glimpsed and saw a giant creature of some kind. He raised his gun and fired, and once again, the monster vanished. Just ran off. I mean, I feel like this monster is like scared i mean <laughs> people i'm in this town just moved in <laughs> you people are shooting at me absolutely i just want to live my life just trying to live my life i'm just trying to get the lay of the land i visited the doctor <laughs> i visited the bank the bank i'd like downtown <laughs> why are you all shooting at me i'm just a nice man <laughs> thing thing monster thing so then the following evening a hardware merchant named ov white was fast asleep in his room over his hardware store on main street mr white was awakened by a strange like snarling sound mm. and it's interesting because each person i think in the story kind of describes the noises from the monster in different ways. Yeah. I mean, it's all different sounds, right? Gargling right. and then snarling. And well, like for somebody to say it sounds like somebody's being strangled, like 
That's a very specific sound. Also, how do you know? But like, <laughs> we can talk about that at a later on a later day. I was literally about to say that's for another episode. <laughs> so, Mr. White was in his store, fast asleep. He was awakened by that snarling sound. He then grabbed his gun and went to the window. And across the street, he saw something perched atop the telephone pole. Like a gargoyle. <laughs> so immediately, Mr. White decided to raise his gun and fire. As you do. Absolutely. Immediately following his gunshot, he was immersed in a gleaming light. Like he was like in the light. Like this thing was looking right at him, uh-huh. right? I imagine it like this light, if it's coming from a horn, it's got to be like a sight thing, right? <laughs> like, yeah. If you point it, it's like pointed in the direction you're looking at. I mean, couldn't it be a headlamp? Not a 1903. That's true. So immersed in this glaring light and in the same instance, he is overcome by what he described as a like a, a nauseous odor. Okay. Noxious odor. Sorry. Said that wrong. <laughs> he slowly backed away from the window. Clearly befuddled by what he just witnessed. He was mm-hmm. like, I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. At the same exact time, <laughs> local merchant Sidney Gregg was awakened by Mr. White's gunshots mm-hmm. and decided to investigate further. He opened his front door and he peered down Main Street and saw the monster perched atop the telephone pole. His account, it's he says that the thing was at least eight feet tall with a beak like a bird, bat-like wings, and four legs. As Greg stood watching, the thing lowered itself from the telephone pole in the manner of a parrot would, using its beak. You know, like parrots, like, climb with their beak? Oh, yeah. And then it stood in the street, listening. At that very moment that once it reached the street, the local mail train came tearing through the town. Uh Uh-huh. And this loud train startled the beast, and it crouched as if it were getting ready to spring into the air. But instead... run away. But instead of taking flight... It flapped its wings and hopped away, similar to a kangaroo. That's so weird. A moment later, it began to run, trotting along on all four legs. It extended its wings and sailed away. Mr. Greg, obviously confused. I mean, I would be too. I'm confused right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> he kind of fell back and was just stunned by like everything that he just witnessed. Mm-hmm. So by now, the town was like rumor mill like everybody was just really a buzz about like everything that was going on mm-hmm. they're like what's happening there's mm-hmm. like something terrorizing our town at night which it's like honestly as far as like terrorizing stuff goes it's like it's not really doing much no it's just beaming a light at you and watching right. you is it terrifying because it's eight feet tall it has the wings of a bat and a beak of a bird and it has four legs Maybe. And a horn that glows light. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty scary. But it's not like attacking people. Right. It's not like hiding in your closet. Right. Peekaboo. It's not like destroying your home. Right. Trying to break in or anything. I don't know. It's just very interesting. But like, honestly, like, I get why people would be scared. Of course. That would be fucking terrifying. I mean, if I saw (laughs) that, I would literally like. Absolutely. So. Town's just becoming a little bit of a rumor mill. A little backstory on the town real quick. So Van Meter was a mining town. Okay. And the miners thought that the sightings could be related to the noises that they have heard coming from the mine in the past few days. Okay. So two days after the events of October 1st, a local mine director named 
J.L. Platt Jr. was called to the mines by the same fearsome noises that all the miners were talking about, uh-huh. which he later would describe to local papers as if Satan and regiment and his regiment of imps were coming forth for battle. That is very specific. That is. But also, like, that's terrifying. A hundred percent. But I feel like that's very specific. Because like, you think, like, snarling imps, with, I imagine, sound like monkeys almost. Yeah. But, like, more sinister sounding. I don't know. Can you do the sound for me? No, I can't. <laughs> I was trying to think of it in my head. I have it in my head, but I don't know how to replicate that noise. <laughs> um, he backed away in fear from the mine, and he was suddenly just, like, stupefied by the sight of a bird-like creature emerging from the shaft. Uh-huh. <laughs> shaft. The thing had bat-like wings and a horn protruding from its forehead, out of which shone a piercing light. Then a second creature emerged, smaller than the first, and both creatures flew away. So now there's two of them. Now there's two. A mama and its baby. Mm. Platt gathered a group of armed men, and they decided they were going to stand watch their mine. Because they weren't going to let this thing come back. Do you know how much money is in a mine if you find... I mean, I just did a gold mine tour, and it's crazy. I know. It's like it's like the literal definition of striking gold. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it doesn't have to be gold. I know. There's so It m- could be coal. There's so many minerals down in, like, these caves or, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. Mines. Like, mines. There's so many. Yeah. Anyway, I know tangent, but it's crazy. <laughs> so... They all were standing guard at the at the mine and they were waiting for the monsters to return, waiting anxiously throughout the night. And just before dawn, they reappeared. The men opened fire. According to those who witnessed this, the reception would have sunk the Spanish fleet. Oh, wow. So they were battling. It sounds like Satan and his imp. Ah, singular imp. (laughs) That's the small one. (laughs) But it only worked to um, really, like, antagonize the monsters. It didn't, like, shoo them away. Well, yeah. I mean, they're eight feet tall, and you're trying to, like, so, fight it. Right. So as they were being shot, they let loose these strange rasping cries and released that noxious odor that um, the hardware shop guy mentioned smelling. I mean... Do you know the only thing that I think of is the movie Casper when he like lets out a the uncle lets out a belch. Yeah. And everybody passes out. That's what I think of. Yeah. 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 So they then flew to the mine's entrance and disappeared inside. Mm-hmm. So y'all failed. A hundred. You let them come home. <laughs> you let them in. Wasting no time. The miners set to work barricading the mouth of the mine. And after that, the story went silent. Oh, the monsters were never seen or heard from again, or that's kind of like what's inferred. Like, because it's literally like <laughs> they blocked the mine and then nobody talked about the monsters anymore. So I'm, they put like no one else went into the mine. Nope. They barricaded the mine. I mean, money. <laughs> <laughs> money or like demons. Like, you got to pick one. And I, I mean, choose, I mean um, you can't have both. Or I guess you do get both if you go back into the mine. You can have your money, but you got to fight demons. And I say, yeah, 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 just lock them up in the mine and let them die there. And then we don't go back. But then they should be dead by now, hopefully. Let's go find the money. 
Well, not even the money. Let's go see if they're in there and dead. I mean, and see what they wear. Absolutely. So the next day, a story appeared in the Des Moines Daily News. Uh, sorry, Des Moines Daily News, and under the byline HH Phillips, it detailed the story and all of its strange occurrences. Uh-huh. Its tone actually, like the tone of like the article, was actually very earnest, like sounding like it wasn't like they were trying to poke fun. Yeah, they weren't like it was just like they were telling the story that like shook up all the locals. Uh-huh. It was then picked up by newspapers around the country, and it looked like something real and terrifying had happened in Van Meter. Like, it kind of did spread throughout the country. Like, everybody heard about it. Okay. And they got scared. I'm sure. (laughs) However, the next day, the Daily News ran another story, and it suggested that the first story had been wildly exaggerated. Okay. It did admit that the citizens of Van Meter had encountered some kind of unexplained light and that they fired at it. But it didn't it didn't claim any of the other things to be true. Like eight foot tall bird animal thing, man thing. <laughs> Terrorizing the town. Yeah, but what would the light be then? That's my question. I don't know. That's a good question. In the days following, a number of new pa- newspapers ran follow-up stories ranging from skep- skeptical to convinced. But by the end of November 1903, the story just completely went away and nobody ever talked about it again. Now, they do have a festival every year to the to the Van Meter um, visitor. Really? Yeah, it's always in like fall around the times that it it happened. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if they're like waiting for it to come back. Maybe we should go. Let's go. Iowa never had any desire. But now I have a reason. I'm going to go find the Van Meter visitor. Yes. And that cave with the money. You, you're all about the mine. You're like, I'm going to go find the mine. I don't know why I keep calling it a cave. Me neither. I've got you. Cave of wonders. <laughs> there you go. You're very set on Aladdin right now. But yeah, so that's the Van Meter visitor. I mean, a lot. I think these kind of stories are always really interesting to me because around this time, there were a lot of really elaborate hoaxes happening. Mm-hmm. And it was to drum up tourism yes and people to come and visit your town mm-hmm. and so a lot of people speculate that it was all just a really elaborate hoax but then like it was interesting because in a lot of the articles that i read that they were <laughs> interviewing like his, like historians and they were interviewing just people of the town and it was just like blurbs and newspapers like a lot of people were saying like because a lot of, the first claim was like oh well, all the clearly all the people that saw this thing were like belligerently drunk yeah And, like, all these people are, like, no, like, the people that are reporting this, they're not even, like, the drunkards of the town. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't drink. They don't, like, do this. Like. These are all, like, legitimate people. Yeah. Business owners. Right. So, it's just, like, I don't know. It's just interesting. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Satan was there. We don't know. I don't know if it was Satan or if it was, like, some demon bird or if it was just it sounds like just an unknown cryptid that we know nothing about. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's my story about Iowa. I love it. Have fun. Be safe. <laughs> Don't get snatched. By an imp. By the bird. Human thing. Okay. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. 